Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts. Welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. Mr. Joe Goldberg, the spy devil himself, is sitting in on this one. I'm here for you, Al. Well, it's been a, it's great. You got your new book coming out, and it's pretty exciting. So, uh, big build up time. for it. Yeah, yeah, it's a hectic, hectic time. Get that book out. Uh, do it right. Yeah, so readers enjoy it. That's that's the point. Yeah, you're gonna get out there and do a big pile of book signings, right? I'm doing my best. Yeah. Well, for the stores, that'll take you. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of them seem to be coming and they lock the door really fast and put the shades down. You see there? Is he there? Yeah. Yeah, I know. They pretend they're not home. Yep. Um, well, fantastic. Well, today we've got a techno thriller writer. So it's kind of on your alley in a sense, like thriller, excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I'm looking forward to this. So um, let's see. We've got Mr. Charles the Breakfield, and we're going to talk about his Enigma series. So welcome to the show, Charles. Alan, I appreciate you having me in, and uh, how good to be in. Um, very esteemed company with Mr. Wilbur, too. So thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I got to get him to autograph my arm later. Okay. I'll, ta- I'll get to it. <laughs> so now, Charles, you have written a lot of books. Um, I kind of see... And reading about you, I kind of see a similarity about uh, you can't really stop. You know, you can't just 
kind of sit. You kind of, there's always something on the go and I'm kind of the same way. Um, has this been the way for you since the beginning? Have you always been that way? My co-author and I, we, uh, uh, we started off writing uh, technical manuals for uh, the uh, the, cor- the company we were uh, working for, and uh, we were doing a lot of professional services, white papers, that sort of thing. And so we got into the, uh, the habit of being able to uh, to write clearly and uh, uh, deliver uh, deliverables uh, to customers that uh, said, "Okay, hey, uh, it's broken. I don't know where, or can you tell me what I need to do to fix it?" That was okay. And then we got approached by a company that says, hey, how about doing some tech manuals for us? And uh, we said, sure. Um, it uh, wasn't very satisfying because as soon as they were done, they were out of date. You ever see those uh, tech manuals with like, you know, version 2, version 35? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Well, that's what happens on those. And so I got uh, I got fed up and I said, and I, you know, gathered up all my marbles and stomped off and said, I'm not doing this any longer. Um She's a, a little more persistent than I am, I guess. Uh, she came back at me in about, you know, six, eight weeks and said, let's do fictional thrillers with the technology in the background mode. I went, all right, I'm listening. Go ahead. He said, uh, I wasn't quite convinced until she got to the part. Said, and the good part is we could whack people, kill them, and not go to jail. And I went, oh. Wow, this has got okay. fantastic possibilities. So, you know, um, where do I sign? So, um, that's where, where we get started. We started off with, uh, you know, the first one, which was, um, identity theft. That was a good place to start. Um, having your identity wiped off and, uh, you do not know who they, where you go to be able to find it again is kind of a, you know, a real terrifying experience. Um, but what we noticed was that there was always new technical Hurdles, challenges, uh, threats, if you will, uh, being cooked up by the, uh, uh, the bad actors from the dark side. So it's like, like this conveyor belt of information and, uh, technical threats. Like, hey, this is kind of cool. We've got, you know, an endless supply of, uh, neat stuff coming at us uh, to be able to, uh, uh, distill, um, and then, you know, pack in and around our, uh, uh, our characters and, Gives us a chance to keep it fresh, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and vital when we're writing, so we're not just using the same formula because that's that's not fair to the, to the readers, in my estimation. So we uh, spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time researching it's the landscape. Okay, what's new? What's coming at us again uh, from this direction? What are the what have the bad guys thought of that uh, we hadn't expected? And we turn those into um, one thriller after another. Well, do you sort of consider yourself science fiction in a sense? No, no, because this is all technology that's available today. Like, but that's that some people are surprised by that statement. They go, "Oh, come on, really? Some of this stuff? No kidding." Uh, who do you think you're kid- you're trying to do to fool here? I'm like, oh no, right here, you know, you know. And so it's actually technical fact, but it's distorted in in a way to be able to uh, that only a, a, you know an evil genius. Okay, psychotic evil genius might be able to, uh, you know, to twist and uh, manipulate to their personal advantage, and so that's where the uh, the fiction fictional part comes in. But it's, um, you know, we're not doing time travel. I'm not going to a different planet. This is all stuff that's going on in our backyard today. Right. So you, it's kind of a crime mystery detective sort of. Uh, how do you classify it? Well, a techno thriller is in such that you know usually there's. Well, what we 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 lead, in, lead into something that's sort of unknown, but it's uh, it's got these uh, horrific consequences to whoever it's being directed at, and so our 
our champions, the R Group, uh, the their third generation of cybersecurity techno yeah, characters that have uh, uh, have evolved from uh, their uh, from their ancestors uh, from the uh, from the uh, from World War II all the way down to present day, and they have built an information dynasty that basically, you know, when you're in trouble and nobody can help you, these are the people you go to say. Get my identity back. Help me uh, take this, uh, this 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 cyber thug off my neck. Help me unwind the uh, the problems that uh, this uh, lunatic is generating for trying to re-engineer human beings to live forever. I have a, a couple of questions, and they sort of run together. Yeah, you, you got a lot of characters in your book, and is is technology? Do you treat it as its own character? Does that have like a personality, a beginning, middle, end? And, and, that, that a human character may have? Well, I mean, we have the human characters, and a lot of our people, you know, I mean, attributes that we've, uh, we've seen in, in people over, over time, people we've known, uh, people we dislike, okay, those are the ones that get whacked. But um, we actually, to your point, which was, you know, very insightful, um, we do have a supercomputer that starts with the, the first book, and we actually... And this is kind of the juxtaposition that uh, we we show him. His name is Ichabod. He is a, a, a learning uh, artificial intelligent computer that has got the guardrails built around his uh, his logic uh, sector to be able to say, okay, this is out of bounds. Uh, this is okay. This is where you can help. This is uh, and and he evolves throughout the uh, twelve books we've got uh, on the. Uh, on the shelves right now, um, there's one one book where he's like trying to understand humor. Uh, there's another one where he's uh, you know he slips into a, a, you know a, a, an indignant uh, configuration uh, discussion with the uh, his uh, creator and uh, and you know the, uh, the 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 banter back and forth between the human and an artificially enhanced um, supercomputer um, makes for very interesting. Character analysis and kind of gives a uh, a foretaste for what could happen in the uh, in the near in the next uh, ten next five to ten years. Uh, so that um, we're really exploring this is what could be. This is what uh, this is an evolution for. You know, I mean, silicon. Uh, you know, uh, you know, computer traces on a on a on a, on a board. Um, there are things that this thing can achieve um is it completely out of bounds no is it completely under control that's a better question and we actually exercise that one in book number 11 who won the ai wars in uh the enigma beyond well then that leads me that's actually really insightful thank you and you're writing you're writing a series and technology is your genre core theme when you're and you have characters that come and go as you cross this the series, are you starting with the technology and what it the issue, or are you starting with the human characters or you know the supercomputer and putting them in the world of the technology, or is the technology coming down on top of the characters inside your book? Again, am I making sense? Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, there's no, I, I, 
that's not an easy formula for what you're asking, Joe, because it's not. I know, I know. That's, yeah, why, it, it, stuff, it, that's why I'm on the radio, Charles. Well, if, okay, yeah, you know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and to uh, to your point, you know, I'll give you my best answer, and my my best is none too good. So, um, but you know, the uh, sometimes it's the uh, you know, the characters they get caught up in uh, as a. Uh, a side uh, sideshow in a, uh, a, a technology issue, or the technology issue will spiral out of control, and then it starts vacuuming up characters and put them into a, uh, these awkward positions, and that's where the, you know the uh, the thriller, the uh, the uh, the excitement for the uh, for the story comes from. Is uh, how do we get here? How do we get out alive? And uh, how do we fix this? You know, so each one's a little bit different. Uh, some of them are you know remarkably different. Uh, because it's uh, we're trying to get something that's you know fresh and uh, uh, not the not the same old uh, formula that uh, uh, it's easy to slip into and uh, we we fight we we try to resist that all the time. Good answer, thank you. You put a lot of thought into what you're trying to get across. I'm thinking that uh, you do have a subtext in this. this. Besides the entertainment value, the excitement, the thrill, and the suspense throughout the story. There is an underlying subtext. I'm guessing this by by the subject you're talking about. That's a again, Alan. That's a very insightful question. Yes, it's uh, things to be to consider. Um, things that uh, like sometimes that uh, we, what we see are people and uh, situations where well, let the computer sort this out. Well, you know, I mean. The old joke that uh, we used to say in the in the tech world is like computers give you very fast, very accurate mistakes, and they just they work off of the stuff that you fed into them. And sometimes um, they'll take up material that you had no idea was on the table for cons- for consumption. So that uh, that kind of gets us to that um, that discussion of where are the guardrails for the technology that's being rolled out today. I'm I'm not advocating, you know, uh, a uh, you know a uh, uh, return to uh, the Abacus and the, uh, the uh, you know a, uh, a magnetic compass, but um, there are places where, um, and I've already seen it. Uh, if you uh, uh, here's a, here's an easy example: um, uh, people advertising for jobs that they need filled and resumes come in. They're not, there's uh, there are programs now that don't even have a human being look at the resumes until they're fed into the uh, this artificial intelligent uh, program that goes through, looks for keywords, scans everything, categorizes it, um, and basically spits out, here's what you need to look at. Wow. Um, you, you know, the job seekers, if they could understand that this is what's happening to their resume um, and that they're being graded by a software program before a human being even looks at it. Where's the humanity and the, uh, the the personal touch for building a winning team if all you're going to do is run it through um, an algorithm that says, give me the best uh, person for the least amount of money? And that's interesting, too, because you know, we all know that we're, li- we're living in that world, and we just kind of say, hope somebody's dealing with it. But at, for your readers, how do you – what's your concern or what's your process to make sure that they're able to understand some of these topics, which are – uh, unnerving or highly technical, uh, ever present in their lives. What's your? Do you have a filter that you kind of make sure that it's it's readable to these people, to your readers? Well, I mean, uh, and part of that is running it through a humor humor filter. I mean, there's a, you know, we get into this. So, uh, and that you're right. Uh, 
Joe, it, it's easy for me to slip into an acronym hell. And uh, yep. basically – Jargon, jargon. Yeah, jargon, jargon. And it's like uh, – so uh, part of what we do is we take some of the jargon and we turn it into uh, uh, humorous uh, uh, events. Uh, we make up acronyms just basically to approve the fact that uh, – here, I can poke fun at, uh, at my world because uh, – the high tech world. If you've ever been to a, 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 some of these co- conferences, and I get I get to go to some of the the, the neatest stuff in the world. Um, uh, if you had if you stepped into it from a completely foreign alien um, in, environment, it would sound like gibberish because there, everything is turned into acronyms and uh, fast flowing, and every, it's assumed everybody knows that. So we take a different approach. Uh, we take and actually take some of that stuff apart and. Um, show you know here here's it's digestible in these kind of sound bites, and then let's put a little bit of humor on it. Now I told you about Ichabod, um, uh, uh, that's actually an acronym too, and it stands for Immersive Collaborative Associative Binary Override of Deterministic Systems. There's no such thing as that. That's a, that we made that up. So to be make sure that the of uh, the reader is is pulled in like you know. You know, we're not all serious. There's some uh, lighthearted. Uh, yes, there's some romance in there. Yes, there's there's humanistic feelings, and and there's the uh, you know one of the best reviews we got on one of our our book number ten, which is about cryptocurrency. Um, the reviewer actually complained. He says, "I didn't like that character. I really didn't like that character, but I I, I couldn't help but feel sorry for him. I didn't want to, but I did." Um, if I can, if I can get that kind of emotion, that means that we've delivered a story. We've delivered something more than just here. Let's put some, uh, you know, technology together and uh, run, you know, strap in some, uh, some characters and make a run for it. I think we're actually delivering some emotional uh, examination for some of the characters that uh, that we've uh, we've built. So now your characters are very important, obviously, to you. Um, Let's talk about, uh, first of all, how, how do you experience your characters? And I ask that not because I'm a weirdo. Well, I am. But yeah. I think that the question is, is a lot of fiction writers will talk about um, experiencing their characters. They'll see them like a movie in their head or they hear voices or they sometimes talk to them. You know, there's, there's all I, I get all of that. And of course, I'm strictly a nonfiction writer. So it's completely an opposite thing. Um, so what is your um, personal experience with your characters. Um, I don't know about uh, about you, know, you guys, but um, we will have a character that we'll start off with, um, and we start putting in those uh, those thoughts, those feelings. We put them in the, under a microscope in some of the uh, the scenes, um, and then something happens that I don't quite. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to explain it to you, Alan, but. The character actually talks to me and says, this is where I need to go. This is what I believe um, this character uh, is, is going to need this. He's going to need some empathy. He's going to need some, uh, uh, some challenges. Uh, he needs a healthy dose of uh, being a hero. Uh, reluctant or otherwise makes no difference. So sometimes it's the character telling me, this is what I'm doing. Right, I had I had that sense when I when I get stuck, I, I look at it and say, "Hey, character, tell me what you're going to do next." You know, what? All right, here you are. Go, and they talk. Then they say, then they do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, they they're listening. Wow, 
You know, um, so so Charles, do, do do they talk to you while you drive? And <laughs> uh, I'll be honest. What happens is usually I get uh, I'll I'll dream about them and wake up and I'm fresh in the morning. I'm like, whoa! Uh, I can't wait to get this down on on the uh, on the keyboard. So you know, give me a pot of coffee and uh, you know take care of the, the hound dogs and and then uh, crank on it for two hours. Yeah, then, but are you are you waking up with a shovel in your hand? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I haven't been burying any bodies, if that's what you mean. No, I know. <laughs> so how, so you wake up in the morning and you've got you've had this dream. How do you deal that with a a co-author? Because I I thought about that and had some approaches. So how, <laughs> what's your process? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm assuming Rox isn't right next to you saying, "Hey, I had this idea." You know, no, well, a, well, what we do is we do uh, we we. we we use the technology, you know. We, we sketch out uh, like ten or twenty chapters for uh, for a new uh, property, and, and then um, we'll take. I'll, I'll, I want to take these chapters. Okay, she wants to take those chapters, and then we use our uh, patent pending uh, uh, literary technique, uh, uh, writing technique uh, called uh, literary badminton. Um, I'll write a, a chapter, and you know, hack on it, toss it over to her, and either one or two things will happen. It's like. Okay, let me see what I can do with this. I, I've got, I see where you're going. Okay, this is good. The other response is, uh, Charles, you missed taking your meds again, didn't you? Okay. Um, so, uh, yes, there's a, uh, but that, that examination and the, it's a, it's a polishing effort, um, that, uh, that we go through, uh, not just for the characters, not just for the, uh, but also for the story, uh, and for the overall series, um, because when we get finished, it has to read like there was only one person writing it. Uh, even our editor will come in every once in a while, my wife, and say, um, who wrote this? And I look at her and say, yeah. So it's, it, it's not – we don't – I don't want anybody to be able to say, okay, this is Charles' chapters, this is hers. No, no. Uh, with the polishing effort of batting it back and forth uh, – we come up with a, uh, a very innovative uh, storyline that's uh, intriguing enough to have people just keep turning, keep turning the pages. Do you, do you have difficulty writing um, a real evil or a person that's real sinister in your in your books? Is it is it um, more difficult to do that? Well, um, I was on we, uh, Rox and I were on a, a Channel Eight call here in Dallas. Uh, uh, where they uh, they were doing this interview and, and they asked me that same question and I said, well we uh, we look for you know interesting characters. Sometimes we will actually or send out a note to our uh, our, our readership and say uh, we're looking for a, a new uh, femme fatale, evil femme fatale, or a new evil genius, or a new reluctant hero, any takers, and then we'll actually say give me some material about you, um, but that uh, that. That uh, interviewer that, uh, that we, we were on Channel 8 with, uh, uh, I got her blushing about the color of the, her pink uh, pink outfit that she was on. Because I, I said, uh, but we're, well, actually, now that you mention it, uh, we're, we are looking for a new evil femme fatale. Uh, do you have a resume, ma'am? And, <laughs> and you could hear the technicians in the background laughing. And then um, she's like, uh, uh, I, I, I caught her off guard. And I said, I, and I, Followed on with, I will need rest, uh, uh, some references too to go along with it. So, uh, uh, by that time, you could, you could hear them really cackling in the background and, and, uh, um, 
I guess we get we she had made a motion like hey, hey go to go to commercial because I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah cut <laughs> cut <laughs> now you also use some of your um, people that you've come across as your and you turn them into characters or you base them on that how how is that like do you do you take people you don't like and put them in the bad positions where they get killed or something I try not to do that well. Yep. Uh, okay. I shouldn't be fibbing on open mic here. Yeah. We actually had one that, uh, 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 it was very gratifying to have him, uh, assassinated. Uh, but, uh, uh, but in, uh, in book number two, uh, we actually pulled out some people that I had met, um, that were, um, most unsavory characters. And I did realize at the time, um, Partly because you know my brothers uh, recommended that they talk to me. Uh, one guy shows up. I'm, I'm trying to make a living at uh, real estate. Uh, go figure, right? Um, anyway, um, this guy comes in and he sucks all of the air out of the room. He's like six four. He must have been about two twenty, and carrying a briefcase. And said, um, "Your brother said that I should talk to you about buying real estate, and I'm here to buy real estate. But one thing, and he opens up his briefcase." And points his 357 Magnum at me and says, if you screw with me, I'll blow you away. And I said, and I thought about it at that point. I said, you know, that sounds fair. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll do it that way. Uh, it wasn't, but two or three months later, I changed jobs. I said, okay, I'm starving. I, I got to get a real job. I'm sorry. There it is. I, I admit it. I'm no good at real estate. Uh, the FBI shows up at my new job. They are looking to talk to me about this character that uh, I'll only refer to as JC because he's he's probably out of prison by now. Anyway, um, they said um, we uh, what 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 kind of money did you uh, did you get from this guy? I said nothing. That's why I'm over here in this job. Okay. <laughs> and they said uh, I said why? What's the deal? He said well we we can't really prove it, but we're pretty sure that he murdered his first wife for the insurance for her, and uh, he used that money to start his drug-running business. And I went, I had to pick my jaw up off the ground. I was stunned. These two feds, you know, telling me all this. And I, I said, uh, uh, and of course, like, I, I you know, my, my voice goes up a couple of octaves, and I sound like Mickey Mouse. And I, and I said, so do I have to worry about this guy coming after me? Uh, I said, nah, he's got more problems than than somebody like you, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. I didn't sleep very well for a month after that. You know, I kept thinking, every, every time you heard a noise, he's back, he's here to get me for something. So he's in that book. Um, I, I also got to work with the bank rubber. That was kind of fun. Uh, he's also in the book, too. Um, uh, I'll, I'll let you, uh, uh, if you get the uh, time to be able to read book number two, The, uh, the Enigma Rising, um, there are several people in that book that, uh, that were um, – they made great characters because they were true. Do you ever worry about them coming after you? <laughs> well, you know, that's the funny thing about us Texans. You know, we're, we're usually pretty heavily armed. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going down without a fight, and I'll tell you that. Now, each one of these books in the series does stand alone. Like, you, you don't have to do them all in order, right? And do it that's that, the, uh, that, that was the ambition. I don't think we've always considered it unfair to say, oh, you have to start from the beginning. Now, let's be honest here. They are richer. If, they, if you start at the beginning and right before, but they're all written so they can be enjoyed standalone. If I only get you for one book, I want it to be a great experience. So that's always been our commitment to the readers that, uh, that, that take a look at our books and say, hmm, this looks kind of interesting. And if they look at the back cover and say, yes, this is this looks tasty. Uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's go with this one. 
a lot of times at book fairs, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll start off with just exactly that question. What do you like to read? What kind of a, um, you know, techno thriller? And we get, we get along those lines and they say, which one should I start with? I said, and we talk a little bit, you know, I, uh, we had one gal that, uh, you know, she's like, oh, yeah, this sounds fascinating. You know, how to live forever. You know, she just, she just come off of cancer therapy and, uh, we were talking about some of the, uh, um, uh, the engineering uh, techniques that were, you know, were uh, were postulated in that uh, the book always, and uh, she's like, oh, I, I've got to have this. I, I just, you know, um, I don't think I'll ever get to the other ones, but this is what one I want. So, you know, we we try to exactly for that reason, you know, so they're written standalone, so somebody can enjoy it out of sequence. Hey, Charles, the uh, has any of the research you've done on technology sort of surprised you? And said, oh, I didn't know that was possible, and you put it in the book. And then, you, and then you sort of go futurist and say, oh, I better think about what's going to happen next and put it in my book to be ahead of the technology uh, curve. Is that how your brain works, or is am I off on that? Oh, no, uh, Joe, that, that, that's a good question. And uh, with book number 10, which is about cryptocurrency, we postulated that Venezuela would have to, uh, because of the way they've destroyed their economy, uh, would have to go to a, a cryptocurrency uh, offering to basically to stay alive. And before I got the book out in March of that year, they announced we're going with, uh, here's our cryptocurrency offering. Um, it's like, you know, four or five years ago, whenever that happens, I can't remember exactly what year that that was announced, but uh, it's with our book number 10. And so um, it was kind of gratifying to be able to uh, have uh, predicted that before it, uh, it actually came true. So, um, it, that's also the spooky part, Joe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Watch out for Charles there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find out what's going to happen. Read the next book. You know. <laughs> well, what's next, Charles? What, what's the technology that we are not paying attention to that's going to show up and uh, become a character in a book? If you can. Oh well, then that's uh, you know if you look at the uh, you know book number eleven, the Enigma yeah. Beyond, and who won the AI wars, and the companion. Uh, uh, which is uh, uh, the Enigma threat, which is a, sort of a, the next phase of that, uh, the AI wars. Uh, they both stand alone, but uh, they, they, they kind of complement each other uh, because of the way that they're, they're built. So that's all about uh, artificial intelligence and where the guardrails uh, uh, are lost uh, in the translation and the, uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll let you uh, you know, yeah. Read read the uh, the primers on it and a few first few pages of it. Um, we uh, and and I'll I will give you a teaser in the beginning of the book of number uh, number eleven. We actually have the uh, uh, several uh, tech titans being interviewed. Okay, well grills more more correct uh, by the uh, uh, a U.S. Senate congressional uh, hearing. Um, questioning their uh, their their loyalties to the American uh, to the uh, to the world population and uh, um, and they're obviously unrepented because they put foam in their ears so they can't hear hear the screeching uh, uh, you know, barking of the uh, of, of the Madam Chairwoman so um, it that sets the stage for technology out of control. We have a bleak future, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, it, I mean the, the future is always. Uh, you know, you know, that, that in book number five we talk about you know predicting the future with uh, big data lakes and uh, you know massive uh, parallel processing. Um, there's always uh, some variable that uh, nobody accounts for in uh, in the future. <laughs> so uh, predicting it uh, is a, a little bit uh, awkward. Most of it just guessing, like well this should happen maybe sort of kind of. Uh, 
but at the same time, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, uh, we need one or two more things to be omitted or overlooked and that that future is quite possible. So we try to uh, capture those little nuances and subtleties to say, you know, are, are you looking at all the pieces, guys? You know, when this happens, did you say, oh, well, that's okay. Um, you know, it's a computer. That the computer should be uh, giving us good answers. Um, but letting the computer make decisions for you. It's okay if I'm looking at firewall rules and the logs. On the, you know, we're like, okay, did I have an intrusion in my, in my network environment? You know, yeah, I could see AI, you know, taking care of that, but only that. Um, them so making the decision to say, um, we have this scenario, send off the drones, you know, and pound this out of this location. Um, whose responsibility is that to be able to control the artificial intelligence decision-making and how is that maintained by the humans? That's a, that's a very interesting topic, and it's, uh, it's such a gray area that uh, even the military is having trouble trying to uh, figure out, okay, yeah, where do we draw that line? Well, it should be right here, but what if it goes over that line? And those are the areas that uh, I don't get into a whole lot of the, the military um, Stuff, although I, you know, I dearly love listening and watching all the neat stuff that they're uh, they're programming, but it's a, it's it's a very frightening area for the uh, the use of artificial intelligence to make uh, snap decisions based on maybe questionable input. So, what do you hope um, someone gets out of your book? If someone reads one of your books, they pick up number eleven there and they're reading it. What what do you hope at the end of the book they they take away? Entertainment. And enlightenment. Oh, this this looks like it. Uh, an orbiting space station that's been compromised, and the supercomputer on board is now under control by the bad guys. How is that possible? Uh, well, gee, uh, how is it possible on this planet? It happens all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm locking turn you off, Charles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I, I can see this being my last time on the show. Okay. <laughs> Well, beginning of the end here. No, uh, that's it's it's totally interesting. You know, I love it. Um, what do you consider a good book? Like when you sit down and re- to read a book, and um, what is it that um, you think are the best aspects? Like what what's important to you? Um, when if I read, I read for uh, historical uh, reference. I, I like uh, my my passion is uh, World War Two, and the uh, the Insanity. You know, how does this happen? Okay, this, this domino hit, this, uh, this uh, linchpin went, you know, this event occurred and nobody stopped it. Uh, and that's where the book series actually gets its uh, origins. Um, in 1939, the, uh, we postulated that the, uh, well, we didn't postulate. Uh, in 1939, the Germans invaded Poland and uh, basically started World War II. They overran it in 30 days. Um, we postulated that there were three um, Patriots that uh, signed up for and pulled off the heist of the Enigma machine the Germans used to encrypt all their battle plans, communications, blah, blah, blah. Um, and their and their ambition is to get it out of Poland and into the hands of the uh, the Allies. And that's the, uh, the, the novella we wrote called Out of Poland. So all the technical facts, that uh, historical facts that, uh, that we have in that, that they're all it's the research that I, I, I love doing. It's the, you know, how did 
how did the world go insane? Um, because that's a lot of what is happening today. And so the, uh, the R group begins their beginning from those three gentlemen that said, I'm going to take on evil. I'm, we're going to fight it. We're going to, we're going to take the high moral ground and we'll teach our uh, children and their children to fight for the, what's right, what's right. So the series is also about, um, injustice, how to fight it, how to be able to challenge it. Uh, cause sometimes that's all you have is looking back at the history, the events that, uh, that did occur, where the mistakes were, because, you know, you know, the old adage, if you, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. So that's where some of the, uh, uh, the directional statements that uh, we like to uh, have as subtext for the uh, for the novels. Yeah, how long how long does it take you to research one of these novels? Um, well, uh, I'm still working in the in the, uh, in the tech world as a solution architect, so I get to see all kinds of weird junk, uh, you know, popping up all the time. Um, here's new threats. You know, I stay on mailing list to see. Okay, uh, OMG, this is what's what they're doing now. Oh God. Uh, so I get to see the technical aspects. I get to see the uh, the political effects. Um, those are all almost real time, Alan. Um, yeah. And then the historical stuff. I mean, I've, I've been reading World War II uh, materials. My favorite the theater is the Eastern Front, which is really insane. But also the uh, you know here's what the uh, was, was going on in the the uh, the main European theater and the uh, the Pacific theater. Um, all lessons. All concepts i guess you know that's uh, that it, they're always percolating somewhere somehow in uh in maybe a a scene a chapter uh maybe half the book um uh, and of course some of the research that, uh, that we've pulled in because you know we've, we've traveled uh, uh around the world to be able to see different places um you know, I've taught uh, uh, technology to uh, the people down in Brazil. Uh, uh, worked with the developers in uh, in Galway, Ireland. Um, you know, and Rox has uh, traveled to, uh, uh, to to Japan to be able to, to uh, deliver uh, tech, technology uh, training to those people uh, in that location as well. So, um, a lot of that is also research that gets baked into the books because that gives it that um, global feel rather than just a U.S. centric feel. As you're doing your research, do you ever sort of self-censure yourself and say, you know what, we probably shouldn't cover that topic yet, or that might not be something that's um, good, good for a book type of thing? <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's uh, too scary, something like that. Um, what is too scary? I, I guess it's probably a, 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 the question I, w- I would pitch back at you, Joe. Uh, is it is it too scary to say, oh, I'm going to stick my head in the sand and uh, hope it goes by or is it for some uh, or is it um, you know no I want to take this head on um, my family is at stake the people that I associate and uh, work with are at stake how can I just turn a blind to, blind eye to it um, I can I, I can give you the uh, the information you may not like it you may resent me for it um, but at the same time I'm compelled to be able to say, um, don't think everything's wonderful because it's, uh, uh, we're at the edge. Well, there you go. Um, where are your influences coming from? Well, I mean, you know, the high tech world is, it's always building something new. Um, 
I've uh, I've been certified in as engin- as an engineer on tech uh, several technologies that nobody's ever heard of since. Um, you are always looking at uh, the next thing that's coming down the pipe, and sometimes it's uh, what's the old phrase: everything old is new again. So uh, everything going into the cloud, you know, there's a lot of the same things that we did in the 80s and 90s um, that are just uh, they're just it's rebranded. Um, sometimes like we get I get to laugh at that because the uh, the young pups don't don't quite understand all that. Uh, but there's in the tech world, everything turns over in like 18 months. It's all changing. Uh, every two years, I've I change jobs, basically to get the that ne- the next stair step where. Hey, uh, I want to see what uh, how what the new stuff is is going on, um, and how to consume. How is it being consumed? And those are the uh, the teaching events that uh, give us that th- those insights into what could be the next horizon. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, um, what's your structure um, like when you sit down and write? And this is interesting now because are you the type of writer that has to be in the right mood or can you just time yourself and say, okay, well, I've got the house clear today from, you know, 10 to two. And so I'm just going to sit down and write and you can just turn it on. Or does there have to be this um, certain mood that comes across? Sometimes it's just a button goes off or a switch that uh, it's flipped. It's like, stop what you're doing. Um, I'm on a boring conference call and they're talking about, um, you know, processes and things that we've talked about three or four times. I'm like, oh, that's uninteresting. I'll just take the headphones off and um, plug into my world and launch. Yes, it, it, it's better to have a, a, you know, okay, every time, every day at this time, um, that's one discipline. Um, I wish I, I could say I comfortably have it every day. I don't. Sometimes it's like um, everything's on fire um, and we're traveling at Mach 1. And, uh, you know, and nothing happened and nothing settles down until like one or two p.m. And then it's like, I have this idea. By the way, that, that the four most terrifying words in our, in either of our vocabularies. If either one of us says that, uh, Charles rocks, I have an idea. It's usually like, put on your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Charles, following up on that. I know you do research for your book, and you like World War II history. So do I. In fact, I just finished a book about two hours ago on World War II. Are there? Do you read outside entertainment in your genre, or do you only read for book research? Is there? You know, who inspires you as a writer to become a writer and to be a writer? Um, uh, to be honest, uh, one of the best writers, one of the most inspir- uh, writers that I really admire, Kevin J. Anderson, uh, and his work with uh, uh, Brian Herbert on the Dune series. What a remarkable um, uh, series uh, because it uh, it spans the uh, multiple planets and uh, you know centuries and uh, you know next generations and uh, the uh, the segmentation of the uh, of the different uh, houses within the uh, the Imperium. So um, I like the way that those are constructed. I like the polish and the storytelling about attributes. It's like okay. Uh, when I get a chance and at night, power down and look at what the uh, the next chapter is going to be for that. And um, uh, the writing style um, is immersive. You get into it, you feel the characters, you know, and you know, sometimes that'll uh, that'll get me uh, get me thinking about okay, what can we do in in, uh, in our particular world? Um, 
but as far as reading, uh, you know, the, the people in my particular field, um, I let me be honest. I, I have a little bit of trepidation about doing that because it uh, it's too easy to. Oh, that's a what a great idea. Let me snitch it. No, I I, um, I, I want our stuff to be our stuff, and uh, we, we can get uh, input from uh, you know history. Uh, very, very small smatterings of, uh, uh, you know, powerful authors like Kevin J. Anderson and Brad Herbert. Uh, but um, I'm always concerned about uh, the subliminal uh, confiscation of somebody else's idea, and I don't want to be guilty of that. So sometimes it's like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to get off into their their world because I don't want to have it show up in mine. Does that, does that make sense, Joe? I, I'm not, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking you might go back to since you know since you're doing it, I thought you go you could go back to Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov and that crowd too, who were taking societal issues and making science fiction out of them. Yeah, well, and there's a I I I never really read all of their their stuff. I you know bits and pieces. Um, I, but uh, so most of it is, is stuff that uh, we've uh, we've built on our own, and I I like to feel. Proud that there was, you know, there was nothing that uh, you know I lifted or a, a literary technique or uh, a, you know a, a character or, or a sentence from somebody else's stuff uh, because it, you know I wanted to have to be say this is mine. We built this, and uh, I can honestly say we didn't. Uh, there's no plagiarism in, in that thought process. Now, plagiarism comes in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, it could be an idea or it could be uh, you know. Um, now I do do take some uh, some a couple lines from uh, from movies every once in a while, you know. And but we build a parallel uh, thought, or build something that morphs into something that only we would say. Um, so um, I'm very fussy about making sure that our stuff is uh, doesn't look like somebody else's. Have you ever gone back to one of your first books and reread it and? thought about you'd like to rewrite some of it or something like that or change something? It's, it's curious you'd say that, Alan, because actually we've been doing that. Um, oh. Our first book is, was uh, published in 2012, The Enigma Factor. Um, and by the time we got to book 10, uh, Rock said, um, uh, dude, um, I want to go back and revisit the, uh, the earlier editions. Look how much we've learned. And it, I, I thought, what, really? And to her point, we went back and looked at it. I'm like, oh yeah, there's some there's some things here that this uh this could be better. So uh, we've been going back through based on you know new writing uh, skills we've we developed and uh, you know things we uh, that uh, some of the writers conferences they say you know do it this way not that way kind of thing um, and we've uh, you know re-released uh, uh, you know the first seven. At this point, in second editions, uh, new covers, uh, refresh on the uh, uh, some of the words, uh, uh, the phrases, character polishing, uh, just to give it that uh, that freshness and uh, make it a, a better experience. So, yeah, uh, absolutely, we've done that, and uh, uh, it's sometimes it, 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 you know, we we had one book we're like, ugh. Golly, I'm so embarrassed. I wish we had <laughs> we should spent more time on this one, you know. So, so, uh, so it's a, it's a good exercise, uh, and it, it, 
it gives us uh, an opportunity to be able to turn out a better property. Yeah. Yeah. And that, it's kind of something I think all writers face because as you progress, you, and then you go back and you read something that you did 10 years ago and you're like, Oh God, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing that now. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Keep you rewriting much. the same book and relaunching it. You know, that's, uh, I haven't did, read it in a long time. <laughs> did, uh, hey, did the, um, does the world sort of, because you're, you're so dealing with technology and things that are going on, do you, do you ever kind of, um, do you ever want to do something different? How's that? Do you ever want to stop writing this and kind of go into a different direction? Well, it, gee, I, I'm glad you got the uh, the notes I sent you, Alan, because this is, you know, leads us right into the uh, 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 a piece of the uh, of us that uh, we were, that surprised us. Um, Yes, we're actually working on. Uh, we just released a, a new book called uh, "The Flower Enigma," and it's a cozy mystery. Uh, and it's got a little bit of technology in it, but it's uh, it's got a uh, it's part of a. Uh, you you may find this interesting. Um, we got tangled up with uh, about ten other authors uh, in a uh, in a project where uh, the lead renegade uh, that I call him uh, Caleb uh, said, "Here." And he basically threw out this picture of a boat, you know, a little single mast sailing, you know, that's kind of beached up uh, on the uh, on the shoreline. And he goes, "Everybody, write me a short story about what you what you would think uh, that, that would use this uh, this boat in your story." And so we did, and we had so much fun doing it. And basically, we put it out as the underground authors. Um, some of you know we we stayed within our own genres, and it was a, a delightful collection of short stories. Um, as soon as they got published, one of them said, "Hey, why don't we do the same thing? Uh, but we all all do um, a novel in our own genre about a a place here in the, uh, yeah, he he picked Texas because he's from Texas, and uh, um, I said, okay, uh, well, what do you got in mind? He goes, well, let's build this uh, this um, mythical city in the Texas Hill Country called Magnolia Bluff, and everybody uh, will have shared characters. We'll have uh, a, a basically a shared map of what the you know outside the reservoir uh, where this uh, this place is, and everybody kind of takes some of the uh, the characters that you that you want and use them in the way that you see fit uh, for your particular novel, and we'll publish them in sequence up to the end of this year. So uh, we got we drew number five, uh, and we just got it uh, rolled out. I guess like two or three weeks ago, um, and it's a uh, it, it's uh, our attempt to be able to look at uh, delivering a story that was you know less technical, but uh, but more of the uh, uh, mystery thriller style. Um, and so uh, you know, putting in uh, some of the, uh, the, the the technical threat. I mean, the, you know, this, these podcasters. Uh, I think you, you put it like that uh, that that particular. Uh, uh, Avenue on it. These podcasters are, you know, trying to drum up business for each one of their businesses, and they uh, they move from uh, business to business, um, except that they're being knocked offline. They're being attacked digitally, uh, and they're they think that there's something going on nefarious in the town, and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. But their podcasts keep getting derailed, and our two characters, who who show up to be able to. Uh, um, have a getaway, rekindle their, their relationship, and uh, 
you know, basically, uh, you know, get away from their high stress jobs. One of them is uh, JJ, and he's a he's a cyber guru guy. Like, I don't want to look at a computer, and that's all he ends up doing throughout the whole book. So, um, and they uncover some uh, some really nefarious stuff, and it's a fun exercise. Um, uh, we get to uh, play with uh, some of the characters that other people have uh, developed. We get to evolve. We built some characters that other people borrowed, um, and it was a uh, it's going to go through the uh, to the end of this year with uh, book number nine, and then we'll probably pick up a uh, another uh, s- uh, sequence of uh, nine nine books again next year. It's the Magnolia Bluff series, and uh, you can find all of those on on Amazon, and that's where they're they're being stored. Uh, but uh, we we kept the uh, our, and our, our our regular tagline, just so you know, um, Alan, is that uh, technology is today's weapon of choice, and so it's always going to be baked into our books, someplace, maybe slightly, but um, it won't be. Uh, it'll have some some position in all of our our uh, our work. Is what I would expect. Yeah, yeah. Well, Charles, now, 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 where do people um, find you, and how do you like? Do you interact on social media? Do you have a website? How do people get a get uh, to Charles? Yeah. Okay, so uh, our website, we've got uh, all of our um, all of our books there. Um, they've also got links to uh, to Amazon. It's uh, EnigmaBookSeries.com, and I'll spell it: E N I G M A. B O O K S E R I E S dot com, and then that's where we've got all of our our main novels listed. Uh, you can buy them a hard copy from us, and we'll sign them, ship them in, uh, into the U.S. Uh, we've got the eBooks that are listed on Amazon. We also have Audibles that uh, we get uh, uh, lined up on all of the books that uh, we're uh, we're quite proud of because the uh, uh, the, the the voice actor we uh, uh, we've used uh, across almost all of them uh, is uh, he's turned into a, just a really dynamic individual. Um, the uh, and he's he he keeps a library of all the vo- different voices that he uses because uh, we have quite a few. Um, but it's a uh, uh, it's a uh, a fun exercise to be have be able to have multiple. Media oper- uh, uh, available, so because we keep getting uh, this, uh, this conversation with people that say, um, "Gee, I, I, you know, I, I don't read that much anymore." I said, "Well, can you listen?" They will "Well, yeah, I got, I got, got a two-hour drive every morning, so or an hour drive every morning. You know, we'd love to be able to, to listen to the uh, to the stories." And so that's where we got uh, got the idea. Well, like, right, let's uh, let's offer the books also in audible format as well. Well, fantastic. Now, of course, we're going to have that up on our website, too, so people can find it with one click and if they can't spell. So I appreciate you being here. Now, the series we've been talking about is the Enigma series, and we've had one of the authors here today, and that's Charles Brakefield. Thank you for being here. Gentlemen, appreciate the time to be able to uh, visit with you. Joe, good luck on your rework you. on your book. Thank you very much. <laughs> You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. 
You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.